Love. Um, this part of this series for the summer, as we have the nine uh, weekends to basically, as people are camping on holiday, I'm certainly uh, looking forward in a couple of weeks to going on holiday. We're off to Tofino, never been there. So yeah, that's good. We, a miracle happened. We got a campsite. Um, but uh, powered up, uh, live the fruit of the spirit. We've been talking about about the power of the Spirit within our lives. We've been talking about the manifest glory of the gifts of God that we all can experience in terms of the fivefold ministry gifts and at different times in different ways we operate in those gifts. And also as, as, as Christians we also operate in the spiritual gifts. Times when there's divine wisdom that comes into a situation. We know that. We know when times happen, when, we, when we're looking for a word of encouragement and that word comes through an encouraging, edifying, building up prophetic word that encourages us to keep going in our faith. We've learned a lot about the Holy Spirit in terms of the seal of the Holy Spirit that comes at salvation. That moment of baptism, that moment that seals us. A seal is a mark. It is a mark that authenticates your salvation. It is a mark that comes and gives you security for your walk with God. It is the seal of the Spirit that comes and works in our lives and releases that affirmation that you are affirmed, that you are loved, that you are saved. And the reason you know that you're loved, the reason that you know that you're saved, the reason you know that you're different is because the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the God, the third member of the Trinity, a person, eternal, the spirit of all truth, the spirit that was a creation, the spirit that breathed the Bible, the spirit that comes and teaches us things, the spirit that comes and convicts us, the spirit that comes and reminds us, the spirit that comes and empowers us, the spirit that gives us gifts and the spirit that always leads us to Jesus. This spirit dwells in you. That's a mark of us being born again. Born of the spirit dwells in each one of us. But so often we can chase the power, the spectacular. But actually we should chase the transformation of our characters. That our characters are transformed, that we become. And this is why Paul wrote in Galatians about the fruit of the Spirit. And each Sunday we are going to be exploring a fruit and unpacking what it means to know the fruit of love, the fruit of joy, the fruit of peace. We will know those fruits at work within our lives, making a difference in how we foster the fruit of the Spirit within our lives. So we're going to start with love. And as we start with love, it's the power of agape love that makes a difference. It's the power of God's love. Of God loves that comes and changes our our lives. It is, it is there. It is present. Agape love. There are three things that remain. Faith, hope and love. And the greatest of these is love. The nice thing about what's happening at the moment in the Okanagan is that weddings are back. 
Honestly, Michelle texted me the other day. These are all the weddings that you're officiating or that you have to attend. Not have to, I've been invited to. I love to attend weddings. If you happen to be married this week and I was there, I loved it. Uh, Really. And this text came through with all these lists of, of dates. And because I keep asking, I keep going, well, why are we doing that? What are we doing here? You know, men are so dim sometimes. Uh, but, but of course, marriages are back. And I was at one yesterday and it was glorious at Gallagher's Canyon, overlooking the canyon. And when you looked, you saw the beautiful, all of the bridesmaids, of which my daughter was one of the bridesmaids. And, and, and the gorgeous couple who, uh, the young lady came through pursuit school and is now uh, serving the Lord in Medicine Hat. That, you know, there is a God that's sent anyway. And, and, and I looked at the scene and it was perfect. I thought, wow, it was beautiful. But there was a little sign to the left that said, mind the cliff. And the danger is that when we forget that our life has to be built on, yes, faith, yes, on hope, but yes, on the greatest of all these, it's pretty clear what Paul is saying. The greatest of all these is love. Why? Because love is patient. And fostering patience in our life is key. Love is kind. Love does not envy, is not arrogant. Love is not self-seeking, always to put oneself forward. Love is not self-seeking. Love does not dishonor others by the way that we speak and the way that we hurt each other. Love is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. Love Love always, it always protects, it always trusts, it always perseveres, it always hopes. But he says the greatest of these is love. And when you stand at a, a marriage, you lug there and you see the beautiful scene looking up over the canyon, Mission Creek, and you see the sign, mind the cliff. And the danger is that you, we have to mind the cliff. And that cliff is that we fail to understand what true love is. As one pastor said, he was doing a marriage counseling And we have a great marriage mentoring process in our church. We even do psychometric testing that helps you work out what you're going to argue over. I think we know what most things we argue over, but it helps us. And, and, and this couple came and they, you know, went through the process. And one of the processes that I'm involved in is helping couples write vows and put them together. And so this couple wrote the vow and then the vow they wrote, you know, yes, uh, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, or until we fall out of love with each other. And the pastor goes, what? Until we fall out of love with each other. Well, that seems a really loving thing to say. Pastor wrote, I didn't feel... Frustrated with them because the kind of society and the kind of culture we create is that we think that it's all on emotion, it's all on a feeling, and therefore it's about when we fall out of love. 
It's not about falling out of love because what the Bible teaches is that love isn't just emotional. It's not just about emotion. It's about agape. It's about that love. It's about that commitment. It's about that willingness to say, I determine myself, myself, to love this person. I determine rather than to respond in the wrong way. Yes, life becomes hard. Yes, life becomes challenging. Yes, we have many choices. But our determination is that I choose to love. I choose to love. And one of the marks of being born again, and when you're born again, and Christ starts to change your life, and you become a a Christian, and you offer your life over to Christ, and you ask him to come into your life and to forgive you, one of the marks of being born again is the power of love within your life. Because suddenly, you realise that the power of love is present, and when you spend time with Jesus in your devotional, when you spend time in the Word of God, when you spend time with God, something remarkable should happen. We should grow into people of love. Why should we grow into people of love? Because God is love. And when you spend time with God, you're going to be transformed by the power of love in your life. And so we understand that God is love. And my clicker has has failed at this moment. There we go. They must be rebooting. You hear that? It's just, it's just the angels arriving. <laughs> we know what real love is from Christ's example in dying for us. So we also ought to lay down our lives for our Christian brothers. And understanding true love is understanding how to truly die to yourself. Understanding true love is understanding how to die to your ego. Understanding true love is understanding how you respond to people and sometimes you have to lay it down. See, I know people in our own congregation and beyond who in their marriage, their marriage now faces challenges because of sickness, neurological diseases that affects movement that affects the ability that often they find themselves, one of the spouses find themselves in a wheelchair. And when I look at these couples, I realize that they are showing the most profound expression of agape love and commitment to that person. It is quite moving and remarkable. Reminds me of reading some a beautiful, beautiful account of David Island. David Island wrote to his unborn child because he was dying of a neurological disease. And so he wrote this series of messages to his unborn child because he didn't know or believe that he would be alive by the time the child was born. And in one of these beautiful essays, he writes, I can't believe your mother, how lovely she is. I say to her, shall we go out for dinner? Can I take you out for dinner? She says, yes. But then she comes and she, she washes me. And she combs my hair. And she brushes my teeth. She dresses me and gets me ready so I can take her out for dinner. And then once I'm dressed and washed and clean. 
She gets the wheelchair and she gets me into the wheelchair and she wheels me out onto the driveway. She opens the garage and she backs the car out, the van. Then she gets out of the car, comes around the side and she organises the wheelchair in the right position. And then when the wheelchair is in the right position, she then takes the handles off and takes the support off and swings round and gets me in and then gets me into the van, closes the door. She then packs up the wheelchair and puts it in the back of the, of the van. Then she goes and she closes the garage door. Then she gets into the car and she drives to the restaurant. Then she gets out, she parks the car and then she gets the wheelchair out and puts it all up again. And then she gets me into the wheelchair. She takes me into the restaurant and she helps me choose the items on the menu. And once we've chosen the items on the menu, it comes and then she talks to me. And then what she does is she feeds me. And having fed me and fed me, she then pays for the bill. And I'm taking her out for dinner. She says... Then she goes to the same routine, back outside, back in the van, back home, the same routine, into my pyjamas. And then she looks at me, your mother does, and she says, thank you, darling, for taking me out for such a wonderful dinner. Can I ask you a question? Isn't that agape love? Agape love is God's love. Agape love is the love that holds us together. Agape love is the love that says, I don't feel like it. I don't feel for, for like this, but I choose to love. I choose to give. I choose to do these things. Why? Because as Christ's example in dying for us, so we also lay down our lives for our Christian brothers. Lay down our lives for a member of our family. Lay down our lives for our spouse, lay down our lives for people around us, because this is what marks Christians completely different. It's our ability to lay down our lives. I often say to guys that I'm counseling and they're having marriage problems, I said, you just got to learn to get in your coffin and die. Die to yourself. You just got too many opinions, mate. <laughs> Honestly, learn to love, learn to be kind. That's how the English people counsel. <laughs> um, <laughs> honestly, it works really well. It's, it's good. It's, it's the English technique. Um, to start to love and become Jesus is the way to do it. <laughs> I hope you come back to church again. Um, <laughs> And there's a beautiful painting I did earlier, and it was, uh, it was beautiful. Just as I was thinking about this message. But we understand that this, so what do we understand from this? Well, first of all, love means that we make the decision to love. Agape love means that love is action. It also means 
that we have to be persistent and we have to learn. We have to grow in our love. As the Father has loved me, so I love you. Now remain in my love. And if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in my love. I have agonized over this verse. I've internalized it. I've memorized it. I am, at times when I'm faced with this verse, I feel so sinful, so selfish. Because I know, and I'm saying, Lord, I want to have a baptism of your love. I want to be submerged. I want to be that person that is full of that love, that is full of that grace. And what we realize is that love develops automatically. Well, how does it develop automatically? It develops automatically when we spend time and remain in him. Because one of the fruits of that, of being in the spirit, is that we start to love. It starts to happen in our lives. And the more time we spend in the presence of God and remain in him and have that time and we listen to his voice... And we allow the spirit to speak to us. However you love to do that through your journaling and through your listening and through your your lingering in the Bible and sitting quietly with your savior and spending that time alone with God. It can only affect. But also I realize that I have to I have to be persistent. I have to choose to love. Being a loving Christian is kind of taken for granted in the Bible. You just look at the Apostle John and how he wrote in 1 John. Honestly, we should love one another. John 3.11, he says, we should love one another. Anyone who does not love remains in death. In other words... When you live in hate and you live in bitterness and you live in anger, you bring death into your life. And a lot of people are walking corpses because they are not living in the trueness of the love of God flowing through their lives. And practicing love is Awesome. Practicing that, that sacrificial giving, that willingness to be kind, that willingness, practicing it within our lives. Surely, he says, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. It's actions. It's truth. This is his command. To believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. Do you think St. John had a good idea what he wanted to communicate? It's only a small book, but he's making a point, isn't it? Love. Keep loving. Die to yourself. Love. Learn to be gracious to one another. This is his command. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from where? Love comes from God. And when you're exhibiting love, it doesn't mean you're a doormat, by the way. But when you're exhibiting love, you, it comes from God. That love flowing through you, that connection with God, that understanding and the very image of love is Jesus Christ that comes and fills us. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Staggering verses. 
staggering the power and the intimacy and the knowledge that, that God's love. This is something that's powerful. This is something that is, is there. You know, this isn't just something that the Beatles sing about in 1967. All you need is love. Right? John Lennon giving his old, you know, round glasses routine. And Paul McCartney looking so cool and all you need is love. Well, we know that love that is rooted just simply in emotion or just simply rooted in sentiment doesn't cut it. But love that flows out of the heart of God within a believer's life is the most powerful, is the most profound, is the most glorious thing. The power of love flowing through our lives. Whoever lives in love lives in God. Whoever love because he first loved us. Okay, John, we get in the picture here. Let's get on to your second letter. Okay, here we go. I ask that we love one another, really. You're really repeating yourself here. Do you know? And yet it's probably the one thing that we should keep repeating in the church. It's the one thing. Have you noticed how... Globally, some Christians seem to be so angry and they've lost the ability to love, it feels like. It's like they're high on anger and low on love. Many people believe that just because they understand the definition of love, they will naturally love. Oh, how many sermons have you heard on the different words in Greek for love? Agape. Yes. And we're going to explore the four words of, of love in the Greek. And as we take the Greeks had different words and we've heard those sermons, right? But the only way that truth about love makes a difference is when you spend time with God himself. Because it's not about understanding the definition, however helpful that is. This is philo love. This is eros love. You know, it is, it is that deep connection. One couple were really excited because they had got their friend finally to come to church. I love it when you bring your friends to church. If you're a friend and you've been brought here today, thank you for coming. Honestly, so grateful. Brought and they were so excited and he finally came and they met him at the... Um, entrance to the church and they came forward and the preacher was was getting ready to preach and they sat they thought well, we'll sit right on the front row this is the best zone he's not a christian but this is where this is this is good this is where they really feel the conviction of god right right aaron the, the conviction of god fall right michelle oh sorry uh bam <laughs> really feel the conviction of god sat there. He came in and he was wearing a, a hat. After a while, an usher came up to him and said, I'm sorry, sir, you're going to have to take off the hat. He said, I, I, I really, I, I, don't, I don't want to. 
I'm, um, I feel a bit awkward. Can I just leave the hat on? So you've got to take the hat off. Really? Yeah, you've got to take the hat off or please take the hat off. He said, I'm sorry to the friends. I can't kind of stay here. I'm coming out. So he went into the foyer and they followed and they were chatting. And so, so the pastor got this letter from the couple. The kind of letter that is just the worst. I've really enjoyed your ministry, but I just can't continue to coming to your church. Oh, I just, this happened and, and so on. So obviously the pastor called up and said, what, what was going on? What was wrong? He said, well, it was the hat incident. He said, well, what was, what was happening with the hat? He said, well, our friend has been in chemotherapy and felt really uncomfortable, so kept the hat on. And, and didn't want to take it off. And the pastor was like, I'm so sorry. He called the usher up. The usher apologized. But it just illustrates the danger that we can become so religious about something without understanding that we forget the power of love. Or the power of understanding. That can happen. Honestly, if you come to church, I can't guarantee what everybody will say to you. I know what I'll say to you. But there are some people. But I want to tell you if you're not a Christian. I want to tell you whether you're new to the Christian faith. I want to tell you that God is love. That Christ is the greatest example of love in this world. That Christ is the one who came as a servant to bless and to bring salvation. That love is the power. It's not about rules in that way. It's not about the law. It's about being transformed by the ultimate presence of God moving within our lives. Agape is that highest and noblest form of love which sees something infinitely precious in its object. C.S. Lewis. What does this mean? It says when you look at another human being and you look at another person and you see them, you are seeing something infinitely precious in that person. Whether they are in that wheelchair or whether they are wearing that hat which is irritating you, whatever that may be, there is something Precious, something infinitely wonderful. And how infinitely precious? Enough that the Son of God would leave the Trinity, come down onto this earth, be nailed to a cross and die for this world. For the Son of Man did not come to condemn the world, but the Son of Man came to save the world. We've got to save people. We've got to win people. And we win people by our love. We win people by that love that comes. Bishop Stephen Neal says, has defined love as a steady direction of will towards another lasting good. Isn't it interesting when we don't like somebody and we hear something bad about them, we always believe that gladly. 
But love is a steady direction of the will towards another's lasting good. And when we look at somebody, we're saying, actually, I want them, I want their lasting good. I want that. Why? Because there is no room. And against, I will put my trust, again, I will put my trust in him. And again, he says, here I am. I am the children God has given me. That is completely the wrong verse there. Um, But it's a lovely verse. It's a special verse, and I bless it. But it's the verse, I think it's, it's, it's Hebrews 12. And it says that let grace abound with you and allow no bitter root to come. No bitter root. It's the bitter root that allows us. And so often we can allow bitterness, we can allow the root to go deep and to be there. Listen, I've got every reason to be bitter. You know I do. England lost. I don't understand why the English manager sent out elementary boys onto the course to take the elementary school boys. It's disturbing to me. I have a number of Italian friends. And you know who you are in this church right now because you were texting me. (laughs) Who I now have to cook fish and chips for. And there are some of you who are from Britain also were very happy. Oh, no, I won't go there. But you know. But seriously, I shook it off after 10 minutes. Got on with my life. But really, we can bear a grudge. And there is no room in the kingdom of God for grudges. Kindness. Kindness is the key. Kindness. Few understand that their potential to harm others with their words and their actions. Have you been to some churches and their parking lots when everybody leaves church? It's like love's in here, but no love out there. Watch out. Not this church, we're awesome. But... I'm challenging you is that I do not suppress the urge to do something kind. Do not suppress the urge to love. Spend time with the Lord and allow him to shape you. And if anybody's going to hold a grudge and should hold a grudge, it's the, it's the deacon Stephen who is just given the best sermon preached since, well, since Pentecost. That was a good sermon. But, and then the Sermon on the Mount was awesome. But Stephen, a deacon, he's just preached the history of Israel. He's just given it with such anointing and such power And then they're going to stone him. And what does he say? 
Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he said that, he fell asleep. Just for those of you new to the Christian church, when it says he fell asleep, it means he died. And he didn't just sort of fall asleep. They, they martyred him in the most violent and brutal way. But what came out of his mouth? Don't hold it against them. Maybe there's somebody you've got a grudge against and it's time to stop holding it against them. Don't hold it against them. How do you think he was able to do this and say these words? He was able to say these words. He was able to speak in such a way, simply, probably, of course, because the words earlier in Luke's gospel, as Christ was hanging upon the cross, he said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. Father, forgive them. And I want to finish right there at the cross. That the cross is the greatest example of sacrificial love. The cross is the example of atonement. The cross is the example that we choose to love even though those against us. It's that agape love. It's that love of the spirit. It's the love that Christ showed. It's the love that Stephen emulated at that moment in Acts chapter 7. And our prayer is, Lord. Please, let me live in that love. I keep failing, but let me keep living in that love. Let me keep moving forward. Fill me with that love, I pray, in Jesus' name. It's not a tablet that we take and it's all sorted. It is a... A lifestyle that we choose to live and it's a way that we choose to live in intimacy and in the spirit of God. In love. Hallelujah. And believe me, loving a life, living a life of love is the most fabulously wonderful adventure of life. To connect with the love of God. Hallelujah. Let's stand together. Just before I pray, you may notice that there's an orange card just on your, around you. And if you're new to Willow, you want to get connected, or if you're old and you want to get connected, you've been away for quite a while. If you're a young adult and you want to get connected, connect with Luke, he'll be in the foyer. If you want to join a, a small group, connect with Jordan, but we'd love to know and to build a relationship with you. Father, we ask now that in these final moments we may Be touched by the power of your love in our lives. For those that need a touch of, just need a hug from you, Lord. They need to be encouraged by you. I pray, Lord, that you will come. 
and minister. You will come and fill us afresh. And Lord, give us the courage to confess the resentments, the bitterness, the anger that we may feel. And help us today to leave all of that at the foot of the cross and to let go of the past and let the love of God consume our lives now. It's hard, it's sacrificial, but help us, Lord, because we have a list of people that we need to learn to try and love and release and to let go of. So, Lord, we pray. Help us to let go and to practice this love in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you.